My guest today is a former SDR turned AE who shares daily content on booking more meetings, living more authentically, and taking care of your mental health. At the age of 26, he had hit all the accolades, President's Club, Quota Crusher, and Top Rep. Inside, he felt empty. After going through a transformational journey, he is now a successful account executive who helps people get out of their comfort zone and step into their authentic selves to realize their full potential. Introducing Anthony Natoli. Welcome to Winning Streaks. I'm your host, Tanvir Mustafa, and every week I get deep into the stories and strategies of experts, champions, business moguls, and industry leaders to find out how you can win the day and win at life. If you're committed to never settling for the status quo and consistently challenging yourself to new heights, then this is the show for you. In return, I commit to bringing you insightful, practical, and no BS conversations that will help you create your next big win. Anthony, welcome to the show. Thank you. So pumped to be here, man. Man, I'm, I'm really excited for today's episode, mainly because I think there's a lot of things from your story that I relate and resonate with and we'll get into it but really i want to start with that point which is you had all these crazy accolades right president's club for anyone listening that doesn't know president's club is really like the top accolade that you can get at at, at in, in sales you know it's to say that you were at the top one percent of your company to be able to perform and do well and exceed quota and, and all of that but you weren't you were feeling unfulfilled why do you think that is yeah, such a phenomenal question. And I think it's something that a lot of people in sales and in general feel. It's the idea that everything on the outside looks great. You know, typically you put on that mask, everything's fine. You believe that external sources and outcomes are going to bring you happiness. What I found is that the dopamine release of me closing a $5,000 deal or a you know, $500,000 deal is the same, right? Pleasure isn't really happiness. And I was chasing pleasure in so many different areas of my life and nothing was enough. No amount of money, you know, uh, in my personal life, no amount of friends going out really made me happy. And I was really lost uh, for a long, long time. And I got myself into a situation where I woke up one day and everything kind of hit me at once. And I had this realization that I can't live like this anymore. And I needed to figure out what was actually going to make me happy and feel good about myself because at my core, I didn't I didn't feel good about myself. I was insecure. I was uh, questioning everything that I did. I was looking for the wrong answers to make me happy. And, you know, there, there are some things that we'll probably get into that were the catalyst for my change, but that was kind of, that's kind of where I was for 26 years of my life, which is scary to think about. It's like, I was living in this fantasy land for so long and I had no idea. I can, I can feel exactly that because I was at this point last year in my life, uh, roughly around the same age where best year of my career and everyone on the outside is like clapping me up and, 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 you know, applauding and inside I'm like, this is not at all how I feel in correlation to what's going on. Let's talk about the triggers that led to that. What happened that made you feel this way that made you feel this emptiness inside and what did you do to change it? Yeah, there were a few different things. I think from a young age, I was always 
the class clown, outspoken, very needy type of friend that questioned everything. You know, I could have all the friends in the world. I could play varsity football and baseball, uh, but I still questioned, like, am I good enough? So that was like my core when I at, at a young age. I never felt like I was good enough. Taking that into college and you start to throw in like things like alcohol and partying and girlfriends. And then you graduate and you take that same kind of behavior into adult life. And now you're making more money and things like credit cards become a thing. And so I was living a life where I was spending more, way more than I made. I was got myself into a toxic relationship primarily because of the person that I was. I wasn't ready for a real relationship, but it taught me so much. I was gambling a ton, which, you know, led me to max out three different credit cards, personal loan, owe people money. And I was in a lot of debt and I tried to solve that debt with more gambling. I didn't ask for help because I was a young kid and I felt embarrassed and I was, you know, like, yeah, I got this. I can figure it out on my own. I was overeating. I was partying every weekend and that lasted for five years out of college, got out of that relationship, partied more, got myself 60 pounds overweight. I was in, you know, north of six figures of debt between the personal loans, credit cards, owing people money. And um, there was a time in the summer where a uh, summer of uh, 20, I think it was 18, where we were at, uh, back in New York. I lived in San Francisco for a mid-year meeting and I had went to my parents' house the week before everyone else got there because I lived in New Jersey and I wanted to see them. And, uh, you know, my clothes wouldn't fit me. I was wearing an XL. So I, I didn't even have clothes that fit. I just broke down to my parents. Like everything hit me at once. I didn't tell them about, about the gambling yet. So I still dug myself that hole, but that's, in 2018, in the summer, that's the time it really started to hit me that like my life was a mess. Now I wasn't ready to change though, because I, even though I was 60 pounds overweight and all that debt, I kept going. And so there was a time a year later, November of 2019, where my mom actually caught me gambling again. And basically she told me that I wasn't allowed to come back home for Christmas unless I got the help I needed. And, uh, that morning, uh, my flight was 8 PM that night. And that morning, I'll never forget. She kicked me out of the house, basically said that I need to go to the airport. I spent the whole day there. And when you're sitting in a, alone in an airport, nonetheless, like a crazy hectic place in a situation like that, you're faced with, uh, two decisions. It's either you're going to change for yourself, or you're going to continue to go down that path. And the thoughts that went through my head that day, wouldn't wish your upon my worst enemy, you know, it was a really, really tough position, not only to know that uh, I, I let myself down, but to let the person that I love the most in this world, my mother and my, and my father, let them down. What went through your head that day? I, I know it might be a lot to talk about, but for other people that might be going through the same thing, you know, yeah. I want to know what those things are so they can realize that they're not alone and they can get out of it. Yeah, totally. So I didn't even know if I belonged on the earth anymore. You know, I, I, uh, I didn't see like how I could ever get out of this. It seemed like a hill that was too big to climb. And I, I was like, what's the point? 
you know, of this. There's no way that I, I get out of this. I didn't see a path forward. And then I get back on a five-hour flight, you know, across San Francisco, thought about it a little bit more, same thoughts. But yeah, that's that. those were some of the thoughts that were going through my head. Mm-hmm. And what was the catalyst for change from then on? Yeah, I, my mom, my mom called me the next day and, and, uh, you know, she said that she believed, she believed in me and that I could do this and that she had my back. I called a couple of friends and told them about it too. And so I think it was the support system that really saved me to know that even though I put my mom through the ringer, she still had my back. That was huge. And that made me realize that there was something more for me. I didn't know what it was, but I felt something click. I was like, I was put here to do something. I don't know what it is yet, but I took a step back and I was like, you know what? There's people that have it a lot worse. Things could be worse for me. I still have a lot of great friends, many of which I pushed away at the time. Still have a phenomenal family. Like look at my mom still supporting me. I have a great job. So I had the mechanism to potentially earn some money to, to go down a path of maybe paying off debt one day. And so, uh, yeah, that text from my mom changed everything. And I truly believe though, the only reason that I was ready to make a change was because I wanted to do it for myself as much as like, I cared about my mom. I wanted to do it for me. Finally, I was ready to, I say this all the time, put down my shovel, stop digging and climb myself out of the hole that, you know, I thought was impossible to get out of, but I knew deep down that I was ready to do it. How did this whole experience impact your mental health as a sales professional before you solved the issue and after you solved the issue? Like how have things shifted for you in, in your personal life and, and professional life? Yeah, it's a phenomenal question. I think because I wasn't living a fulfilled life, I was chasing money. And so as the sales professional, people feel the energy that you give off. And so I actually made a post about uh, this today around if you don't have a fulfilled life, then you oftentimes as a sales professional attach your self-worth to your success as a sales professional. And what that oftentimes does, whether you're on a phone call, uh, making a cold call, sending an email, on a negotiation call, you're coming from a place of want and need, which means that you lack something within, which means that if you don't get that deal or you don't book that meeting, then you feel less as a person. Mm -hmm. And that's how I operated forever. Mm -hmm. And it worked sometimes, like I made President's Club, but it wasn't sustainable and scalable, right? And so I think before I was so focused on make a ton of money, make a ton of money. Cause I was like in all this debt. I was like, I have to make money. I have, I need this so bad. And before I made president's club, like I was uh, in my, when I was ramping as a new rep, wasn't closing deals. I was like really nervous about what I was even doing, but it was because I was like so attached to the outcome of these deals. Um, and that I, my whole world revolved around it. I would get up, go to work, come home, work, go to sleep worried. I wasn't doing anything to make time for myself and to fill my own cup and to feel uh, like, like I was living a fulfilling life. I was doing all these vices like gambling and partying. There was no time to feel good about who Anthony was because I was so lost. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I wasn't even thinking 
that the things that I was doing outside of work were bad. And I had no idea that it was affecting me so much in terms of how I showed up on calls with, with clients and, and prospects. And so once I started going down the path of prioritizing my mental health and wellness, some of the things that I started to do were going to a program to get help with my gambling and working some of the, the 12 steps. It really opened my eyes a lot. I started going to therapy. I started working out again. I started to hang out with my friends, but in a healthy environment, I started to eat better. I started to read self, self-help books and actually take action. I started journaling, practicing gratitude, all the things that our minds and body need to perform at a high level, I started to do. And every day that I did those things, it got easier and easier. And it was almost like I was rewiring my brain. It's the, it's the weirdest sensation, but for anyone that has made transform, uh, transformable uh, change in their life, you can, you can know that your brain at one point was thinking a certain way when you perceived a certain situation or took action in a certain way versus when you do things a different way. And that's literally what growth is. It's like changing how your brain thinks. And so I've been on this like mental health journey for the last three years and every day, it seems like I learned something new about myself. It's like my consciousness expands. And, you know, without the things that I went through, you know, I would still be in that same space. And so how this affects me now in sales is that the anxiety, the insecurity, like it doesn't go away. Your relationship changes though with it. So whenever I feel it coming up, I can recognize it, aware it, uh, be aware of it, honor it. And then I can feel it and understand why I'm feeling that. And then I could decide what to do. Kobe Bryant always says like your emotions are just their thoughts running their course. And so once I got comfortable with that, it became really interesting in how I showed up on calls. And since I was doing all these things in my personal life that made me feel fulfilled, I wasn't so worried about a deal closing or not. I became pretty indifferent, to be honest, about hitting my quota. Because I knew like the worst case scenario, I don't hit my quota. I still got all this other cool stuff going on in my life. I've still made so much progress. I have so much gratitude because of what I went through. So if I lose a deal, I take a step back and be like, damn, well, it could be worse. I could be 60 pounds overweight in debt, but I'm not. And so like, it's okay. I'll be fine. I've been through hard things before and I'll get through this too. Yeah. The worst case scenario that we think about, we don't actually think about it enough because if we did, we'd realize that the worst case scenario isn't really that bad. And then second most, I think it actually makes you a better salesperson. You know this, you know, customers can sense when you have skin in the game, like they can sense what we call, you know, commission breath. And when you don't have that, they're much more open. They're much more willing to work with you. And it's interesting because I actually think you hit president's club. Like I actually think you can through sheer will and determination, get yourself to becoming a top performer. But I don't think that necessarily means that you're a great salesperson. Because I think a great salesperson has empathy. A great salesperson is kind. A great salesperson does what's best for the customer. And you know, a lot of the people that, that might just do it through sheer like picking up the phone and calling and dialing and sending out a bunch of emails, like they're just putting in this cr- insane amount of volume 
that gets them that ideal result. That doesn't mean it was the right thing to do for the customer. Yeah. Right. Uh, that doesn't mean that you're leaving the best impression in the customer's mind about the brand. Sure, you might have solved a problem, but there's a difference between solving a problem and experiencing a brand. And I think a great salesperson helps customers do both. So I think all this journey that you've done with self-development and fulfillment, another th- another thing to drill into, into people's heads is like this self, self-development, personal development stuff, like it's not woo-woo, you know, it works. Like if you take the time, I know you're doing meditation recently. First of all, congrats, man. That's, thank you. That's amazing. And so I, much fun. It's, it's amazing. And it really helps put, thing, put things into perspective, but you know, people might journal once, they might practice practice gratitude once or whatever, that's not where where it works. You know, it works after consistent habit over time. Like you'll see compound interest like you do with investing. You know, you'll see it in your mindset. You'll feel that first initial hit. And then over time, the dopamine just continues to increase and your perspective on the world improves and how you deal with situations improves. And man, I just got to say mad respect to you for wanting to change doing the things that you needed to do to change and really just absolutely changing the way you live your life as a result for people maybe going through the same thing. Where do you recommend they start? They don't see a way out. Um, they're struggling, whether it's in sales, whether it's in life with their thoughts, you know, getting carried away, where do they start? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's such a great question because I thought, I thought that same thing, you know, like how am I ever supposed to get out of this? Where do I start? First place that you start is in your head by accepting where you're at and saying like, hey, this is where I'm at. It's okay. It really is okay. As long as you accept where you're at, then you could start thinking about, okay, what areas of my life are kind of a mess right now? Like, where is my life fairly unmanageable? So for me, I took a step back and I said, okay, I manage money like an infant. (laughs) <laughs> I, I overeat and, um, I have a gambling problem and I'm insecure and I'm needy and I'm afraid and I'm scared and I'm uncertain. And so I identified like the areas of my life that were kind of unmanageable and a mess. And I also started to understand and own my flaws and I turned them into my powers I'm not now afraid to admit that sometimes I get a little bit insecure. Now I can identify when I'm starting to act insecure and actually catch it and understand why, and then let it float by like a cloud in the sky, if you will. For people out there to round it out that are struggling, it's just like, hey, slow down, take a step back and accept the present moment for what it is. Because worrying about the past is going to make you upset and depressed because you're thinking about things that could have been or what they were, you're living in the past, or you're going to feel anxious because you're focusing on things that you don't have. Right. And so once I was able to become comfortable with the things I couldn't change, like the past and the future and focused on the things that I could change, which were my mindset, my attitude, how I showed up, the effort that I put into therapy and to reading that's when you start to realize that, hey, I can actually do this. If I just take things literally one day at a time, it's impossible for me not to get to where I want to go if I do everything in my control one day at a time. 
So my therapist always says this, like when you go on a hike, the trail is already at the end. Now there's going to be rocks and boulders and mud along the way. But if you continue to push forward, the end is already there. You just got to continue to walk towards it. Yeah. That's kind of what I would say to folks out there struggling, trying to, trying to figure out where they start. Yeah. I think the most important realization and nugget there is that things can change. Yes. Like you were in this position where you were thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get out. The better question to ask is how can I get out? You know, it's, it's like saying I can't do something versus how can I do something? And I think that fundamental, even just vocabulary shift is enormously impactful on the trajectory of anyone's life when they make that adjustment to how they talk to themselves, how they talk to others, um, and how they visualize their their goals and, and where they would like to get to. So that's that's huge, man. Um, and I think it's a, it's a great lesson for, for anyone to take away. From all of that, you managed to put together a why and a mission. And to be honest, like this is something that I, I struggle with, is like having sort of like a North Star uh, to go after that motivates you, that keeps you fulfilled, and keeps you chasing after something consistently. Uh, what is that why and, and mission for you? And how did you go about putting it together? Yeah, so my hypothesis is that a lot of people struggle with what I struggled with. Once I kind of came out the other side, like now I'm debt free, I'm finally paying myself back. I lost the weight. I developed healthy habits and a system to follow it. I realized that there's other people out there that could use the help as well. And so I thought about, okay, I work at Outreach. It's a phenomenal company. I love being a sales professional, but there's something more. There's something missing still. I was still, I was still very happy with my life, but I look at my mom and I look at 5, 10, 15, even when I'm on a rocking chair one day. And I thought to myself, if I continue down this path, will I truly be satisfied with the life that I lived and the impact that I made on others? Did I leave this world a better place? And it sounds cliche, but once you have that realization of like, hey, there's something else out there, it's that's what potential is. That's what your purpose becomes. And it just so happens that my purpose and my what I believe to be potential on this earth is to give back based on my experiences that I went through in my 20s. And I always think about my why and my mission as talking to the Anthony from three plus years ago, saying, hey, man, it's all right. I got your back. Like, I know what you're going through. And uh, that realization becomes really, really powerful. And so my mission is to essentially bring awareness to the importance of prioritizing your mental health, your wellness, your mindset, making sure that you're living a, a fulfilling life that you can feel proud of. And so that when you show up with other people, whether that's at work with your family and your relationships, that you're ready to receive love because you love yourself. You're ready to trust because you trust yourself and you're ready to help others because you've helped yourself. And so if there's anything that I can do in this world to make it a better place, I think it's giving back with those things in mind. And uh, I kind of got choked up there thinking about helping the younger version of Anthony, you know, because that's the person that needed someone like me now, back then, that he didn't have until he hit his rock bottom. 
And so if I can give back to people and help them before they get to that point, then that makes me feel so good, man. Like that's what it's about. All the other stuff takes care of, care of itself, the outcomes, the money, whatever it takes care of itself. And if I'm doing those things, then I show up on a customer call. Like I'm living such a fulfilled life and I have so much gratitude that I'm quite indifferent. Like I care, I'm competitive, but if someone goes with one of my competitors, I'm not going to like, let it ruin my day. I'm going to learn from it, but then I can take a step back and say, I've got all these things that I'm doing. I'm making such a big impact. And I think that's another reason why I started to do this is because I wanted to live a more fulfilling life for myself so that I can feel fulfilled when I show up with others. And I think naturally as an effect of helping other people, you help yourself. And again, my hypothesis is that the people that focus less on the outcomes and more on making an impact every day are the people that crush it consistently. Not only do they crush their quota, but they're, they feel like good as human beings. Like you had Brandon on Flaherty the other day and he, him and I think so much alike um, and he's got such great nuggets, but he talks about making more money by like not hustling. And it's so true. You're, he's not only making seven figures in real money, but he probably feels like seven figures inside too. And that's right. what it's about. That's right. what it's about for me. And like, I want to get to that place. Um, and that's why I'm on this journey. I want to feel like a million bucks inside and the million bucks down the road will probably take care of itself. As long as I don't focus on that, got to focus on feeling like a million bucks inside. That's the best way I think I've heard it said is the goal shouldn't be to make a million or sorry. Yeah. The goal shouldn't be to make a million dollars. The goal should be to feel like a million dollars, you know, to feel like a millionaire inside just from your day to day. Because if there's anything that I learned last year is that at a certain point, money definitely does not lead to happiness. Like it just doesn't. And I had pegged my value to my quota. It was like, I'm only as valuable as my ability to hit my quota. And after exceeding my quota, it was nothing, you know, it was like, it's cool. Like, let's celebrate. Let's, let's have, let's have a great dinner. Let's have some fun next day, nothing. And I was just like, what on earth happened? You know, it's, it's insane. So really, really great point. I, I, I want you to do an exercise with me real quick, Anthony, if you're game, you're up for it. Let's do it. All right. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think and visualize younger Anthony in that airport. I want you to soak in how he was feeling, what he was thinking, everything going on in his mind. What would you tell younger Anthony in the airport today? It's a really good question. I want to think about it for a second. Absolutely. I would tell younger Anthony, take a big, deep breath. Slow down for a second, calm your mind down, and to understand that there is a way out of this. And I would ask him, are you ready to make a change? Are you ready to live and think a different way? Because if you are, you can live and think a different way, and it doesn't have to be like this anymore. I would tell him it does not have to be like this anymore. You don't have to live and think the way that you currently are. And so 
it's not going to be easy, but I can promise you the bill for not trying is going to be way more than if you try and fail, because if you try and fail and you continue to push forward, I can promise you, you will think and live a different way. And you'll thank yourself for this moment, for accepting where you are and wanting to make a change. I love it. And so, yeah, I, 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 I would ask him that because the only time, again, that people are, are going to change is when they're ready to make a change, when they're ready. And sometimes, like myself, you have to bang your head against the wall a number of times to be ready to put down that shovel. But I would say to him, if you're ready to go, then let's do this. Let's go down this journey together. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's that's amazing advice. And like you said, the intent has to be there to change. If you If you don't even have that, then you're not even going to think about the steps necessary to, to get out of your situation, right? You have to believe that it's possible to change and you have to get the, the intent to change. But in terms of tact, tactical steps here, you know, you had, a, you had a couple of things, you know, finances, uh, you know, fitness, but I think the most important are the mindset and the mental health. What are the steps that you started taking specifically in terms of mindset and building a stronger mindset? What are the steps you took to, to fortify that and make that better? Yeah, so... I made a list of, I think this goes back to what I was saying before, but I made a list of every area of my life that was unmanageable. Part of that was like my thoughts about myself and I wrote them all down. I then wrote down the worst times in recent history that I felt the worst about myself. So I wrote down literally a memory of how I felt during that summer in my, my, my parents' kitchen. I wrote down exactly how I felt, what I physically felt, and I kept that. And then I, felt, I wrote down how I felt in the airport and when my mom was talking to me. And what that allowed me to do was whenever I felt like giving up or making a bad decision, I would go back to that and say, okay, wow, look what it could be. If I go down that road, I know exactly where it leads, right? So by writing it down on paper, it's in front of you. If you make this decision, you know exactly where that road is going to be. So it's almost like double insanity, like doing the things that you know are going to lead you down a path that get the same result. And so what that allowed me to do was, hey, let's try it a different way. Let's start to do things that are actually going to make me feel good. I kind of surrendered to this idea that I didn't need help. I accepted that I needed help and there's nothing wrong with that. That was the first step in going down this mental health journey. So once I identified that I needed help, I joined a few Reddit pages around like fitness and money management. I got a few books to start with around mindset and like around building confidence because I had zero confidence. I was the most insecure person you ever met. You would you would never know it because I put on a put on a show. Mm. But what I, book, I what books did you get? The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson was the first book that I read. Mm-hmm. I then read Relentless by Tim Grover. Oh, that's a great um, one. I love Relentless. Yeah, Unfuck Yourself by uh, Gary John Bishop. And right now I'm reading. I also read The Power of Habit. I read Atomic Habits. And then right now I'm reading uh, The Obstacle is the Way. So I'm still educating myself. Mm-hmm. And so I started reading those books. Then I started going to therapy. Those two things like educated me so much and dissected all of the things that I didn't realize were deeper seated issues, right? I didn't realize that 
I was so insecure even at a young age. And so I started to just identify, okay, what other points in my life did I also feel insecure? And I started doing healing around those. I started to say, hey, it's okay that you had this situation growing up, or it's okay that you're kind of in all this debt. It's okay that you're in, you gained all this weight because now you can start to develop the tools to live and think a different way. So the books helped the writing and journaling down how I felt every day going to therapy. And one of the most powerful things that I, I did was practice gratitude. And so I'm not perfect with it every day, but in the beginning, something I learned from one of my mentors was write down three pieces of gratitude every single morning. I don't care if you have to text me, your mom, someone, but write it down and then tell someone. It could be as easy as, man, that was a restful night's sleep, or I'm thankful for my legs and the ability to walk or fresh drinking water, because it's nearly impossible to be in a state of resentment when you're in a state of gratitude. And so for me, I woke up every day in a state of resentment before I started to make the changes. And so practicing gratitude allowed me to get grounded and say, hey, it's not that bad what I have. Let's go attack the day now. So by focusing on what I already had in my life, it made me less anxious about what I didn't have or what happened in the past. So to, to round it out, the, the books, the therapy, getting a mentor to hold you responsible, getting like a community or a group, whether it's on Reddit or a program that I went to for like for gambling or uh, practicing gratitude, meditation. There's so many resources out there that are begging for you to lean into because they will wrap your arms around you and make sure that you get the help you need. But it all starts with accepting that you need the help and wanting it. What were your three biggest takeaways from your personal development journey? Yeah, my, my three biggest takeaways would probably be number one, that no amount of money or materialistic or external things will make you more happy than you can make yourself happy. For example, I thought having a girlfriend and making more money would actually make me happy, but I wasn't happy with myself. So I couldn't receive those things from other people. So it's impossible to love someone else if you don't love yourself. Number two, it's becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. Sounds very cliche, but in order to get anything good out of this life, you have to be comfortable knowing that it's going to be hard. The third one is, was what, another one of my favorite books, Discipline Equals Freedom. Motivation that fades very quick. What gets you long-term results is consistent action, action plus discipline plus time. Because I would say 99% of the time, I had therapy every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Did I want to leave work go all the way down 20 minutes out of my way, go, go to therapy for an hour, come back? Did I want to wake up at 6 a.m., go to the gym or go to the gym at 7 99% of the time, I didn't want to do it, but I wanted it so bad that I built discipline to do it. And so the third one, again, is doing the things that you don't want to do, but doing them like you love them because you know that's what it takes. Yeah. I think you made a post about this the other day, but I love that quote, which is, do not pray for an easy life. Pray for the strength to 
endure a difficult one. And I think yep. that that hits it right on the nose is that, you know, nothing good in life comes easy, in my opinion, like everything you got to work for, everything you got to go after and you have the intent to go after it. But if you do things like journaling, reading, you know, meditation, gratitude, all of these things that we've talked about, you make it a lot, I don't want to say easier because the, the process doesn't get easier, but you give your strength, you give yourself the strength to have a shot and to endure it and to go after it. And it's just such extremely powerful principles that I think the more they're applied to someone's daily life, the more that they can really unleash their full potential. And so that's, I guess, the, the next point, which is, you know, now you really talk about a lot online about how to reach that full potential and, and how to live authentically, like authenticity. What does it mean to live authentically to you? And what does that, how does that translate into, you know, embracing your full potential? Yeah, I think it's living authentically you is understanding who you are as a person and being 100% like down for that person and loving them. My therapist told me one time, he's like, who's someone in your life you really admire? And I was like, my dad and my mom. He's like, then why don't you treat yourself like you treat them? Would you want your mom and dad to wake up and not make their bed? Or would you want them to feed themselves, you know, bad food or party every weekend. It's like, no. So like, why don't you treat your way yourself that way? And so it's being comfortable who you are, loving yourself enough to treat yourself right. Like your own best friend. It's being okay with your quirky quirkiness and your flaws. It's becoming comfortable with your feelings, whether that's insecurity or anxiety or depression, it's okay to feel those things, but it's not okay to let those things control your life. And so how do you become comfortable with that through things like meditation and journaling? And so once you become comfortable with who you are, you then show up that way. And it, I don't know when it happened for me, but at some point, someone just told me like, man, your energy is just different. I remember I was in Scottsdale, I think it was visiting one of my buddies and we were sitting down. He's like, man, he's like, your energy is so much more different. And I was like, you know what? Cause I'm just being myself. And it feels so good and freeing when you could just be your authentic self and not be so worried to what other people are going to think about you. And that leads me to the purpose piece, which is once you understand who you are, you can get very clear on what you want out of life. And so for me, I had that moment where I was like, hmm, I've done all this work. I, I love, I really love this version of Anthony. Like mm -hmm. what, what can I do with this? And so I decided to start writing on LinkedIn and being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. That's another piece of being authentic is being vulnerable and not giving a crap what anyone's going to think. So I started doing that on LinkedIn, got some traction, started getting some messages like, wow, you're like so relatable. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to keep doing this because it feels good when people message you and say like, this really helped me. Yeah. And so just by being my authentic self and being vulnerable, I realized what my purpose was. It was to help people also be authentic and vulnerable. And my hypothesis again, is that if we're all just being authentic and vulnerable in our true selves, and we all lo like love ourselves, then the world's a better place because there's less hate. 
because oftentimes hate stems from insecurities from within. Like I hated the world. I used to hate the world, but I think, um, you know, authenticity led me to discover what my purpose was because I was just showing up as who I, uh, who I am. And at my core, I was able to, to discover like what I actually wanted to do. And so I love being a sales professional because it challenges me to show up as that person every day. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think one of the greatest things about not only sales, but how you've approached this whole mindset journey and, and this personal development journey is the extreme accountability that you've put on yourself. And this is a monumental shift for me as well. You know, bad things would happen to me and I would always blame other people, other things, other circumstances. But the moment that I took complete ownership of everything that happened to me, regardless of whether it was my fault or not, it was like, this is, I'm accountable for this. I'm accountable for my life and the results and what happens and, and everything going on on in it. That is my responsibility. And it is my responsibility to change in order to experience what I want to feel. Right. I think Will Smith has a quote about this is that you can't blame other people for the situation that you're in, you know, where you grew up, you know, what you've been given, all of that things, but it is your responsibility to change it. Right. And taking extreme ownership and accountability over change and over wanting to become a better person, I think is the best way to summarize everything that you've talked about today is you have to want to change and then build a system around you with the support system with the books you read, with the activities you undertake, with the habits you create to ultimately result in that change. Yeah. You're uh, nail hit the nail on the head. I think no one is responsible for making you feel any type of way, but yourself. It's really almost scary to think about sometimes. It's like that person made me feel like that, or that prospect made, made me feel like this. It's like, no, at the end of the day, you had that reaction. You had that response. They may have said something, but that doesn't mean that you have to give your power away to them and let it affect you. It's okay to feel pissed off, angry, upset, but don't let it control how you show up because ultimately that's giving away your power. And uh, when you said around, this is our life, we're in control, we're responsible for it. That's so true, man. It's like, if you want to make a change, the resources are out there. You got to grab the bull by the horns and take, take over control. It goes back to what I said about like expanding your consciousness. A lot of times people live in this fantasy world where they don't even realize the things that they're doing until they hit that rock bottom. And so if I can help people become more aware of like what they really care about, who, what they're doing, what areas of their life are kind of messy and that they want to change, then you can start taking action. So yeah, 1000%, man. Um, this has been a super enlightening conversation. I really enjoyed it. I think a lot of people are are going to be impacted by it and take away uh, tons of great nuggets here. Where can people find you, interact with you, engage with you going forward? Yeah, so a um, couple of things that I'll be releasing here in the next few weeks. I've got, of course, on LinkedIn, my daily posts there. I post about two or three times a day. If you don't know me by now, you probably see my comments somewhere. Um, and then I'm going to be dropping a weekly newsletter around just things that I've learned over the last three years that have helped me prioritize my wellness, my fitness, mental health, sales tips. And so that's where you can find me. And then eventually long-term, I'll have uh, a podcast as well, where I'm going to be 
looking to interview top performing folks to figure out how they're not only elite professionals, but elite humans and, and figuring out what that means. But um, in the near term, look out for that newsletter dropping uh, here in a few weeks. And uh, always feel free to DM me on LinkedIn if you need help or struggling, anything resonated with you. I'd love to hear the feedback. Um, and I'm always here to help. Awesome. I'll make sure to drop your, your contact info in the show notes here. Anthony, what's one last piece of advice you would give my listeners to help them achieve their next big win? Ask for help. Don't try to do everything on your own because there's someone out there who's been through it before or has the answer. And if there's one thing that I could change about my past is I wish I asked for help sooner. I love that, man. Great way to wrap up. Thanks so much for coming out of Winning Streaks and uh, look forward to keeping the, keeping this going, man. You're, you're going to do some incredible things for the world and uh, I can't wait to see it. So thanks again. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it.